podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that, free beer. Uh, thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers and for just four ninety five in postage, the rest of your beer will be free. What's more, the Whistleblowers listeners get an additional two extra free beers. So doing the mass, that's ten free beers. Beer 52 uh, essentially craft beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries that you can find. Uh, no surprise that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is they, they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in you can leave at any time. Uh, you basically order your eight beers, your ten beers in fact, see if you like it, and if so, subscribe. Jump in, jump off. Your first box will be sent to you the next day. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which includes the theme and individual beers you'll receive and a cheeky snack is thrown in. Just go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers. That's beer52.com forward slash whistleblowers to get your first case of 10 beers for free. It's been quite the week, Mark, hasn't it? In yeah, terms of football, you, you me just chewing a sweet. Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, well, that's good. It will shut you up for a second. It's been ridiculous. We've we've had football, politics, yep. um, comebacks, fullbacks, halfbacks. Like, see how far you can go on with this. Really treading water there, aren't you, Grits? Yeah, really. I'm sorry. It's been water. a good. Po- I think it's a good podcast this week. We had a really good guest. Um, talked a lot about United City. In fact, the first half of the whole show is United City. Um, which, to be fair, was a pretty seismic result, so I don't yeah, mind Yeah, it was pretty that. seismic, and it was all, also spot on, because we were lucky enough to be joined by um, radio producer and uh, esteemed Man United fan, Alex Barnett, so you, uh, we'll, be, we'll be linking him to the podcast on social, so you can check him out, but yeah, has some wise words for us. He did, yeah. We also talked about Leicester. Uh, oh, Leicester. Oh, Leicester. Effervescent Leicester. Actually, we, Brendan Rodgers. All right, mate. Leicester. We didn't mention... Um, Palace Watford, which was an absolute nightmare of a game, a disgrace to the good name of British football. Well, I'm glad we didn't. Then. No, I know, but I mean, a little, just just leave it. Oh God! All right. Uh, look, if you like the podcast, subscribe. Uh, if you really like it, follow us on Twitter. And you're probably doing that anyway. Podcast. Yeah, you're probably doing that anyway if you're here. But yeah, enjoy it because Mark's Mark's on great form tonight. Don't let him fool you otherwise. <laughs> All right, have a good one. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. I am your host, as ever, or co-host. What do I call it? Probably I'd co-host. Co-host. That just seems a little bit. I'm co-host Mark, Mark Smith. That's me talking over there. You might have heard the dulcet tones of Scottish Martin Gritton. Hello, Martin. <laughs> the Scottish Martin Gritton. <laughs> yeah. If there's a poor English one, an imitation one. I think there's, about. There's, there's a Martin Gritton in every country, and we all know a Martin Gritton, <laughs> and none of us are proud of that fact. <laughs> but here we are. We're still alive after another massive game of another, another massive weekend of football. Yeah, 
um, which included Man City against Man United in what I think was one of the most interesting games of the season so far. So who better to have in the studio with us today than Alex Barnett, radio producer and Manchester United supporter. Alex, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, no, thanks for I, coming in. Unfortunately, I do know Martin Gritton as well, and it's this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what binds you both, and you know, binds you both to me, which I'm delighted <laughs> to, yeah. to yeah. say, in a way. Well, Alex, we, we, I perhaps, thought you'd just invite me here so you could gloat about Celtic. Well, I, I don't know. I, gloating's not the word. It's just, you know, it was a... It was a fantastic day for us yesterday. We'll stick on Man United for of now. We no, but, no, no, uh, Martin, if you want to start with Celtic, you start with Celtic. Oh, of course. What, what do you want to say? Well, it was just a glorious day for Celtic Football Club, Mark, and I know how oh, you I mean. view <laughs> our victories as somehow inconsequential, but... No, every... no, no, I disagree. I don't think inconsequential. I just think that... Fine, it's good, it's good. Go ahead. Win all your trophies, beat Rangers. We will. But to me, this is like a, a dad... Blasting the goal past his four-year-old son in the back garden and celebrating about it. Don't <laughs> celebrate it. You should be beating this team. You've had about five years head start on them the last ten. This you is did, ridiculous. You didn't watch the game, did you, Martin? I did not watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Alex, it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Can you? Just, heard you, had, you, had, you can you be agnostic? Play. I have heard it was brilliant. To be fair, it was a good game and no VL, no VAR. Um, yeah. Uh, and you had one good player. Yeah. Who was the one good goalkeeper? Forster. Yeah, well, Foster was, in, in was insanely in good. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely did not deserve to win that game, and that's what makes it all the sweeter. Yeah, I'm, but, only, uh, I'm only really joking when I say that about Celtic. Well, yeah. it doesn't sound like it. Uh, well, we stay on the point of, of game, teams man. that don't deserve necessarily to win it or we're not expected to win it. Uh, back to United. Do you like that? Nice smooth yeah, segue. Lovely segue. Alex, <laughs> uh, what, what a weekend for United. It was, yeah. We're in election week, aren't we? And, um, you know, if you're a polling expert before the game, you'd have had us down um, as uh, way outsiders to win this one. Nine, uh, nine to one they were with some bookies. Nine to one. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, someone somewhere put some lucky money on that. But uh, I, I must admit, I I didn't expect a, a win. But, you know, it was... Uh, Incredible, really, and as you say, um, surprises happen in elections and surprises happen in matches. And it, it was a, it was actually a brilliant performance by United. Yeah, wasn't that's it? the bottom. That's one depends it. Yeah, I mean uh, that first thirty minutes was uh, genuinely some of the most devastating attacking football I've seen all season. And I'm including in that, and we'll get onto them later on. Leicester City, yep. and I'm including in that Liverpool, yep. and I'm including in that their opponents on the day, Man City. Yep. It was absolutely savage. And it's not hyperbole to say they could have been four, five nil up at the. Oh, point. at least, at least, yeah. It's a bar. I shouldn't. Um, it was. It was like watching a United, a vintage United of old. I mean, I know it's a cliche that, but it was. It was like going back some years. And yeah, obviously, the, the Tottenham result against Spurs was was good in midweek. Um, that gave him a bit of confidence. But to go to to go to City like that and that. Fo- you know, to fire up and to really attack them like that. And you, you just wanted it to continue. And obviously, second half was a little bit more, you know, as you'd expect a City were going to come on to, to us and uh, to United. And, and and probably, you know, that last goal, last five minutes was a bit shaky. But apart from that, that you're right, that was some of the most devastating football I've seen all season. Not just from United, from any team, yeah. in the, in the, as you say, in the Premier League. And I think that second half, although City did sort of attempt this onslaught, it still felt to me like United were controlling the game without the ball. Yep. You know, there, there was, in that last five minutes, a couple of chances, half chances, Mahrez has won. But I didn't ever feel like United were going to lose that game once we saw the first five minutes of that second half. With the intensity of their players, the speed at which they moved the ball, also the fact that the players on the pitch... 
they look head and shoulders above the City players, which is something that you can't say about this United team up to this point. Well, apart from maybe against Spurs, when there's, there's a certainly a coming of age of some of these players this season. And I know there's a lot of ability there, but Rashford, I mean, oh. my God, he's unplayable. Yeah. yeah, and to think two two months ago, people were writing this guy off. But actually, he... Again, hopefully it's not Which hyperbole. Which talking about here? Just, just people. <laughs> people on the internet. Uh, but, but, no, but like Man United, you're talking about the manager, you're talking about one of the players. Oh, Rashford in particular, I mean, okay. sorry, yeah. I mean, yeah. people were writing him off. People are still writing off Solskjaer now. We'll, we'll get on to that. I've come on to the manager, as you say, in a moment. I think more than anything, well, it was a great team performance, but there were some people in there, you know, who put in, you know, proper, decent performances, not just Rashford as well. We've got to talk Marcel. about McDominay. Yeah, McTominay, we've got to talk yeah. about. We've got to talk Big about McDominay. Scotty Mac. <laughs> that that man. It's not a coincidence that he's come in against Spurs and been there for Spurs and City, and they've won both games. He makes Fred look like a proper player. Looks like looks like the player that they thought they'd spent fifty two million pounds on. Yep. Now it's very easy at this point to say. Solskjaer has turned it around in, in the matter of four days and he's now the man for the rest of the season and onwards. I don't really believe that is the case because whilst their record against the top six is superb, the record against everyone else, of which there are a lot more games, is not great. And when they, when they have the ball, they have to break teams down, they struggle. So I'm not going to suggest that this is the start of a, an amazing run because their next seven games are against... Or Everton, Le- lesser teams that, yeah. that they'll have yeah. more of the board. So maybe in January we can talk about is Solskjaer going to be there for a length of time? But for now, you've just got to enjoy how they're playing and well, enjoy how McT- McTominay was absolutely well, incredible. The player Saturday. Phil Jones could have been. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, yeah. the, it's the it's the cocoon version that, that McTominay's erupted from. The, I don't know where I'm going with this, but no, go basically on. saying that the he was fact, a little slug. You're talking he about. He was a little slug and he grew wings. He just, now he's yeah, flying he around. just expecting nothing. I've, I've, crawling I've, around <laughs> on the training ground floor. And little worm McTominay, they called him. Giacomo sleeping bag. You're actually then, right, though, because apparently he put on like six inches in height over like a summer. He was oh, like really, really small and he just grew massively. And that's not just his fringe. That I mean, reminded me of a story about Brian Robson back in the 80s when he needed to put on weight and he was with his. His landlady, and I remember reading his biography back, and he, he had to drink whiskey and raw eggs every morning, and he put on about, about 70 stone or something. He grew quickly. Yeah. Well, a friend of the pod, Robbie Knox, has told, told me of this, a thing called Robbo's Record in his book, and I think Brian Robson has spoken about this, about kind of Holston pills, the amount of Holston pills he's... <laughs> like a, I think only Andy Fordham, the, the ill-fated, <laughs> the ill-fated darts player that had to retire from drinking before he retired from darts, has competed with Robbo's Record, which is something absurd. It's like 36 Holston pills before wow. he started on the wow. Spirits, and then you're like... Robbo, he could, he could tuck it away. Oh, he could, Wade yeah, Boggs. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about when he was 14, not... not but yeah. Well, this is it. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, 14, 28, and, and, well, actually, I'm not going to go there. Um, all, <laughs> but gonna, by the way, just talking about other player, Lingard, again, there was just yes. some great performances. Yes. Fred, you can go on, can't you? Oh, yeah. you, you can, and, and interestingly, I mean, Paul Pogba... What happens with him Who? next? Who? He, well, exactly. I mean, he comes back in soon. He's, he, he, he's, their, he's genuinely their biggest player their most marketable uh, player, yeah. and, and you know what their management upstairs thinks about you know, finances globally, he has to be in this squad, if not the team. Where yeah. do you put him in? Does it, you can't go in ahead of McTominay and, and uh, Fred at the minute, but does yeah. he go in alongside them instead of Lingard? Yeah, imagine you get to be, bring Pogba in. When Pogba buys into this, if Pogba t- turns up and goes, do you know what, 
I can be part of this now. I feel like this is a, this is the right sort of positive mind because Pogba came off the back of a, a French team that was in disarray. Remember when he yeah, like yeah. he has been through every incarnation of teams that have been at a complete loss to ones that have won the World Cup. He knows what he's doing. So I, I, I fully think that if Paul Pogba is pulled in the right direction with some of these players, also you've got the nice foil of someone like um, Ashley Young being the club captain. I always yeah. think that that takes the pressure off the guys because yeah, yeah, yeah. if Ashley Young gets dropped for sure, Ashley Young is not going to be that. You know, he's going to be the first one going pat and show on the back. You know, that's how this United team seems to be set up now. I think it's a it's, it's really interesting point you make there with regards to uh, Pogba. I actually forgotten about Pogba until you just mentioned. Really, yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that crazy that I? It's been a, I, so, it's been a while. Just forgotten about just for a moment, and, and, and you know, but not it, because he's not a bad. But player. is that is that because he has not been as focused on in the media? Yeah, probably. Because, let's not forget that there is definitely something about Pogba that the media doesn't tend to like. And I read an article the other day in The Athletic, which for some reason had to mention his haircut and Instagram in the same <laughs> first paragraph. Yeah. Of the, it's a modern thought, game, isn't I it? I thought it got past this. Lazy, sloppy. It's really sloppy. Yeah. It's really boring. Look, Pogba, from everything I've heard from inside the club, is super professional. Yep. Yeah. He's there every day training. There's never been an issue with any of that. It's just that a lot of people, generally sort of Top Gear watching dads, don't like the fact that he likes to Hi guys. fuck about on Instagram. <laughs> but you know what? United, when they bought Pogba, they knew they were buying a, a brand. They're buying a business to add to their business. They know what they're getting. Their business improves and increases in value because they've acquired this other business. And it's a horrible way to talk about football. That but really that's is. what it is now. I don't, please never do that again. That's but that's disgusting. what it is, right? Yeah, but let's but take strip that away. You're, uh, Pogba, but as a player, but they're giving him something before they put too much. I think they put too much on his shoulders because the, the the clever pieces that were written about him that, that negated all the things that we were just talking about about Instagram brand they were the ones talking about his actual ability on the pitch and what he did in terms of goals, assists, uh, influence, yeah. and. He delivered on all those fronts. He just was part of a team that was losing. And you look at players like Ericsson and players like mm. that have come and gone. Players that were that were cited as Real Madrid hopefuls yeah. that have just disappeared from the you know the, the offing. And Pogba has got an opportunity to come back into this team. And what, you know what an influence he can. But, but what, what what difference as a Man United fan? You would talk about the terraces there and like kind of having that behind you, getting that kind of the fan base unified behind you oh, and yeah. having a good team on the pitch. It's unstoppable. Well, I think traffic. so, yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this was at all any anywhere but a large minority, but there were, you know, you've talked about the manager going into that game and, and on the team. There were people starting to criticise not just the players, but also the manager. I'm not, two, I'm not get, saying... Two games to save his career, they were saying. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like, um, yeah, two games. I mean... <sighs> Would it really have been the case if, if he, so for instance, if he loses against Tottenham and then he loses against City? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, I still don't think his career's in trouble at United. I still, but obviously, the pressure tells, and every game then becomes yeah, yeah. yet another massive. Yeah. You know, oh, what's what's going to happen to Solskjaer? Is he going to stay? However, you could see that the, 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 I don't think from the away travelling, you know, the, the, the hardcore United fans who travel with, the, with the away, and actually the majority of United fans who are willing to give them a, willing to give them a chance, um, and willing to give and patience needed. And there's a lot. There's also a lot of United fans like myself who yep. have been there when United were not. They remember back in the day. Yeah. You know, sometime back you have to go, but of course, big Ron Atkinson days. Perhaps, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, when when you'd raise yourself, that's what you hope this is not. Where you raise yourself for a big game like against Liverpool or a, a game against a team that are going for the title, and you can pull off a big performance. But then, 
the Bournemouths, and as we saw this year, you don't quite, yeah. you don't quite, um, they're the results you've got to put in. And that was the United back in the old days. We'd raise ourselves for those, but we'd never win the league. And so, that, that, that's quite a small club mentality as well, isn't it? Yeah, little, and that's yeah. not what United should be. No, no, exactly. And, but I think there are some fan, you know, I think there are some people, there is a, an impatience now over the last few years. There are some United fans who perhaps would, yeah, think quite quickly about. And that, that's a good uh, point to make, the, the impatience. And I feel like, this is a slight segue to something else, but within the same game, the, the fan disturbances we saw and those ridiculous scenes we saw. A lot of that, from what I've heard at the game, that was all over the stadium. Not, not the racist aspect, but the, the absolute anger in the stadium. And I feel like there's a, a very new breed of Man City supporter who's only been there for a few years, who's only known success and you know, good times... And all of a sudden, they're 14 points behind Liverpool, and they can't handle it. And that is a very spoiled... And it's not all Man City fans, of course it's not. No. There's, there's a huge amount of supporters who've been there forever. Football fans. There's right, they're, they're, football, they're the proper football, football fans. fans, yeah. But you've got that element now of, if we're not top of the league, which is our divine right as Man City, then we are going to kick off. Yeah. And I think what's been good about United is that they, we have seen them transition from a team that were top of the world constantly to being now a team backing their manager again, even though exactly. they're fifth. Yeah. And I yeah. do quite respect that. And, and it's a rebuilding process at the moment. And they seem yeah. to understand and, that. And I think, I think the majority of United fans understand that, that this is, this is a, a work in progress. From, you know? in terms, I've seen a lot of away fans and like kind of been part of some away supports uh, Man United fans without a doubt were some of the best away fans I've ever been a part of yeah. you travelled extensively with them haven't you Alex over the country I have yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. what would you say in your experience because I have been I've been to Leeds away I got bricks <laughs> thrown at me I was thinking I was playing for Stockport at the time I was getting you bricks you deserved it man <laughs> whenever I'm getting bricks thrown at me Mark I always deserve it I played, this particular I, I, time I don't think this was my fault I played on the same team as you Grits and I yeah. I've thought about throwing something at you sometimes but, <laughs> well, uh, thanks mate no, no I'm only joking you, I, you, you put the balls in the back of the net for us but, but going back to the point United fans I like so away fans I always find that that's kind of a real good litmus test of where a fan base is and what they are actually feeling and uh, a perfect example is the Spurs game last week where Mourinho got a great reception when he came back yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's credit that's that's class that's a wee bit of class about fans and how they should treat someone that, that gave their all for the club I like that absolutely um, I think that I, w- I was looking out for that, actually, the, the Mourinho response and how it would be. And I thought he did get a good response from United fans. Yep. And he got a, um, I remember being for the uh, game was when Ronaldo got a hat-trick against us, put us out of the Champions League, yeah. United. Yeah. And um, I remember when he got subbed and the whole of the main stand applauded. And I, I like yeah. those moments, though, when, when there is a bit of... Well, I'm glad you brought that up because there was a moment where at Torquay United we played Stockport away and we beat them 2 now in League One and, and I scored them both and got applauded off the pitch by the Stockport fans yeah. and the rest of my Torquay mates because I turned and clapped them and the Torquay, my, my teammates went, what the hell were you doing? They were like, do you think you're Ronaldo away at Old Trafford? And the best thing was when like 10 years later I go and play as a washed up uh, Torquay Stockport fans. I wasn't washed up at the time but I was just, you know, cool. just tired. <laughs> Um, as, a, as a washed up pro at Stockport and then they were like going is that the guy we clapped off in 2004, 2004 well you know Good let's just Chris. cover Man City very quickly yeah. because uh, we've said about how United were and we've made it about me th- this, so will be, this will be brief because we've talked about this probably every week since the start of the season but Man City and their lack of recruitment at centre back is absolutely killing them 
they were all at sea in that first 30 minutes. They didn't know what had hit them. As good as United were going forward, Man City was just as bad at the back. I don't know what they're going to do now. Stones is now injured. So he's yeah, out for, yeah. looks like a hamstring injury. He's out I'm for at least a game. couple of... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Just like his eyes. Strained. So you've only got Otamendi. So you can have Otamendi. The problem with playing Fernandinho there is that we know that Pep likes this. He did it with Mascherano at Barca. He did it with Martinez at Bayern. He plays midfielders at centre-back. But with Fernandinho, he is not only your best midfielder defensively, so you're losing that, yep. but also you've got a defender now who isn't quite good enough to be a centre-back. Yep. So one of your most important players is not being utilised in any way the right position. That It is an f- absolute shambles at the back at Man City. And, and I think that the lack of investment there and not forward-thinking after company left and assuming that Laporte could get injured because he's a footballer who can get injured, it is a dereliction of duty, I would go as far yeah. as to say. Well, is, isn't that incredible, though, a team like City who you talk about lack of investment... Um, they've got all the money, all in, the the money world. in the world. Uh, who's, whose fault is that? Well, is that Cancel- a manager? Cancelo, uh, the fullback, same for 54 million, sat on the bench for the last three games. Uh, you look at. He's a fullback, though. Right, what, yeah, but what I'm saying is, why spend money on him in the summer I when they need like a centre yeah, half? Yeah. You, you, you know, you're going to throw money away. Uh, like Rodri, like, I enjoyed watching Rodri play last week. Was it Burnley? Yeah, like, the guy's quality. But I'm just saying, if you're going to invest, you're absolutely right. Fernandinho is a Kante to them. Kante, if Kante doesn't play for Chelsea, as we saw at West Ham when they got beat, the, the Chelsea don't know what they're, you know, they're not the same team. They're, they're a good team, but there's certain players that you can't mess around with. You're totally right, Fernandinho. But I got, yeah. I got something right at, at last. Um, we're going to go to a break. <laughs> Wonderful. After the break, we're going to talk about Leicester City. Oh, oh, now you're no. talking. But big Brendan, he's left us and he's given us 10. Oh, I'm again, on... again with Celtic. Was, oh, he... <laughs> Was he going to Arsenal ever? Well, we'll Let's on. talk about that. Let's okay. talk about that. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark, and my co host, Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Well, from Mancunian centre-halves in Manchester to ones in Leicester. Well, he's not even Mancunian, he's Northern Irish. Uh, Johnny Evans. Still works. His performance. Thanks for that absolute (laughs) clumsy uh, opening. I watched him put in a Richard Goff-esque performance. I'm only seeing that for the header that went to the back stick, but... Oh, Leicester. What, but what a header. <laughs> no. Sorry, that was an absolute for header. It was, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. Uh, Richard Goff versus England, I believe it was, but we won't dwell on that, 1985, <laughs> something like that. Um, what a performance from Leicester. I'm going to say it now, this Leicester team say are better it. than the Leicester say team it. that won the league. They're, oh, a better, wow. they're a better team. They've got more points this point in the season, and I think man for man, there's only probably Kante that gets into this side. Cool. I wonder what odds they were. Alex, I wonder what three that one. Well, I wonder what odds they were going into the season. This season, yeah, I wonder. Four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine to one. <laughs> <laughs> Someone made a lot of money last time, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, they're flying, aren't they? They're flying. Um, Could you make the argument that they are the most exciting team to watch in the league? Yeah, probably are. 
Apart from well, United yesterday. And Spurs, well, yeah. Well, Liverpool yeah. are fantastic, but in a way, Liverpool oh, feels so metronomic now that yeah. it just feels inevitable and there's something not as exciting about that. Yeah. But the, the, the quality of Leicester, the quality of the, the finishing and the speed of passing, so I watched it heavily. Obviously, you watch Match of the Day and watch Match of the Day too, you think they get heavily edited. But the, the speed at which they move the ball and the goals that they score, like Madison's ball into Ineaccio was incredible. Ineaccio is... Fin- fin- this is a guy that you wouldn't have trusted with a bag of cement, let alone a fucking football in a Premier League match. It's yeah. like he loses, nothing sticks to him. He kind of never really develops any play. He rarely gets to the end of anything. He scores one goal at the weekend and then unbelievable Pro- yeah. performance. I, I mean, there's, there's so much to admire about this side. They've got proper steel in the middle. Ndidi is off the charts. He's so, so good. I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Kante, but he... I mean, it feels like you... I feel like you, I'm about you, to. You're in a cul-de-sac. You're in a, you're in a Kante well, that, cul-de-sac. Right, t- tell me this then. Who, who, who else gets into this team, this Leicester team, from the previous Leicester Premier League winning team? Oh. Who else gets in? Mahrez. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, Mahrez, so maybe okay, with Mahrez, a, a Jose yeah. Perez, but slightly different. But we didn't anticipate Vardy being better now than he oh, no, was, I was then. Just, I was and he is. To, yeah, I'm glad you said that, because it seems as if he's got just something out of Vardy that it's just... You know, he was kind of, I'm not saying he was ever sort of, you know, leveling off as such, you know, or, yep. or going, winding down his career or anything, but he just seems to have got an extra lease of life, doesn't he, well, under well, Rogers? Puel, in an interview last week, described him as being like a, uh, like a boy, like a child, I think is what he said. And to me, that's... <laughs> Mentally, yes. Yeah, but to me, that's, if you're, if you're a manager coming in, I think he's just misinterpreted what, what Vardy's like. He's just, uh, he's, he's a lad that... Famously, as the song goes, likes having a party. He, he's <laughs> he's a bit of a laugh, you know. He just he fucks about whatever. That's that's absolutely fine and yep. normal. It's like coming and criticizing Gaza for being yeah, you know, immature. Exactly, it's like yeah. that. That's just part of his personality. If you can't handle that as a manager, well, you're not going to use him properly. And he's one of the he's one of the best players in the league. Right, he's one well, of the best strikers in the at league the, at this moment in time. You've, absolutely. You've All right. Well, let's well, let's yeah. break it down into why he was not. Good on the PL. So you've got drink water. You've got players that knew how to put the ball in his path. You look at the way that that midfield hit him now. So like as soon as he pulls on a shoulder, they roll it. And I understand the Litaro Mings. There's a weird sort of thing where he was like half injured, and I understand that. But I don't care who was up against him. He, if you slot, if you slide roll the pass in behind, he's got you because his timing of his runs. He's at full pace as that defender turns, and and you're done. But and he's finishing. You've got one four touch or five players, though, who can do that. In the old Leicester team, there's only a couple of players that could play yeah. that ball. Now you've got... Indeed, he's got a pass. Tielemans. Tielemans got it. Madison yeah, has yeah. got that ball every single time Madison's, in his locker. Uh, yeah. Perez from the right can do it. Or if he yeah. plays up front with uh, Ian Acho, as we saw, he can, he's got a fantastic final ball on yeah. him as well. This Leicester team... I'm a Derby County supporter. I'm not going to be saying <laughs> this. This Leicester team is absolutely brilliant yeah, to no, watch. Oh, and I think, I think now, if you had to play Leicester... You would fear going there. You, you, isn't that, you know, you, I know you wouldn't have said that a few years yeah. ago, but yeah. last season you wouldn't have said that. But. And there's also a, a massive disrespect yeah. in the media generally when they keep saying, and the Premier League US Twitter account <laughs> put out a tweet on Saturday night. I, I, I'm always reading that one. Yeah. <laughs> but they, the, the tweet said um, that Liverpool are now 14 points clear of the chasing pack. And that is completely ignoring the existence of Leicester. I mean, they, they probably won't win it, but they're eight points behind. It's not just Liverpool yeah. or Man City. Leicester now are three points dis- clear. I was looking at that and but, but could they catch? I don't think they... They could, of course they could. I don't think they will. I think Liverpool are, mm. I think, 
far and away the best team in this, yeah, in this country yeah, yeah. at the moment. But yeah. the idea of the disrespect given to Leicester there for yeah. the official Premier League US account is just insane. It's like they're lucky to be there. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. not. They've won a league title more recently than Liverpool have. Yeah, that's well, very true. Uh, well, from Leicester's intensity to a similar effort from a team that we haven't seen any intensity from this season uh, ever and big dunks oh amazing it's, it amazing. feels weird saying that Alex you, we're, well, you and me are from a generation certainly Mark's like younger him, yeah. but we remember him first time around as a player oh, as an yeah. impact player from Rangers right yeah, through to Everton yeah. uh, what, what, what do you think about Saturday's well, the, first of all the Everton them? goal the first goal was a Duncan Ferguson bang in the box like I had a but yeah um, that Everton side showed it was I know, to say Duncan Ferguson on the pitch, but he, you know, I think he was quite emotional, wasn't he, at the end of the game as well? Very much so. Um, and that, you know, little jiggy did down the pitch, but it was a different Everton side coming out there. And that has got to be down to Duncan Ferguson's passion and team talk and how he fired them up. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a game where if you had to say whether a manager had turned a team round, Absolutely, absolutely, no, no question about it. And whether he can continue that, yeah, or whether you know people talk about a honeymoon period for a few weeks and all that. But if they keep playing that intensity, yeah, it, as you say, people who remember him on the pitch, that ever the way the Everton, the energy they played, Everton, yeah. it was. It was there to be seen. That, that that was that was Duncan Ferguson. He's currently five to one favourite to be the permanent manager. At no, and I actually think that. <laughs> him having it this weekend, him playing that game this weekend in charge of Everton. Perfect for him that Solskjaer has just won two on the bounce because it shows that an ex-favourite yeah. of a club can really galvanise a team. So yeah. he couldn't have picked a better weekend to do it than the weekend where Solskjaer is trying to prove his credentials. Yeah. Duncan Ferguson, I don't, know, I don't know much about the guy as a manager. I don't know what he's done before in coaching. Um, and I wonder if this game was more to do with him and his ability to fire up a team or was it to do with the fact that that, that team had stopped playing for Marco Silva? I think that's a good point. I think mm. well, a, a couple of weeks ago uh, there was a graphic on Match of the Day that was like this is Everton's next five or six games and you're like oh my god it doesn't oh matter who's yeah it doesn't matter who's in charge but clearly it does and there's, a, there's an element I like to think that Duncan Ferguson has this aura about him where it transcends language. You know, when you're a foreign player and you turn up at a club, and we had uh, some of the clubs I played for, I don't care who you were, but if you played under Sheridan or Sturrock or some of these strong managers, they knew what was expected of them. And it, some of them were just like, yeah, watch out for that guy. Or don't piss about with that guy. Yeah, or if right. you're, you're in the reserves and Dunk Ferguson is driving you on a minibus to Sunderland, <laughs> you better take it seriously or he's going to have you up against the wall. I mean, that's a really interesting... I was going to ask you a question. Do you think that still works with the, the modern player? Well, so, well, obviously it does on Saturday. We, we talk about this, don't yeah, we? Yeah. You're does it, though? No, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the thing that does put fear into you is physical violence. <laughs> I always think that... Going, it's the Mike Tyson quote. It's like, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. And it's like, Duncan Ferguson may not punch you in the face, no. but he looks like he might punch well, you in the he, face. But he might also... But that's he it. might punch you in the and face. He, and, he, and if you know that he's probably in a tribunal going to get kept on by the club and you're the one going to get sacked, then you better shut your mouth and work hard. Also, these players also have the ability to work hard. They've been let off the hook. Selva's also... Oh, he's finding excuses for them always let them be the players that they thought they might be scrap that it's like this is the Premier League you have to be the player that you have to be not only the very best of your ability but you have to be good as a team and and what he did was though he energised that team I, what, the statistic that 
gets thrown around 39 tackles more the than most, any the most of any team this season in the Premier League, in the Premier League. and that like I, I'm not a big fan of these sort of the statistics but is, is indicating something at least correct um, what do you make of his um, of what he was wearing of his suit and more importantly his sweatband <laughs> uh, it was a nice mix wasn't it with the suit um, what was wrong with the sweatband why is he wearing it well <laughs> What, is it 2 You told to take it off, mate. You Sorry? Told, you told I'm not saying yeah, that. I, I, I just loved it. I, I love the idea. Tell him, mate. He's got a suit on, and then he, I wonder what else he's got on. Is it cycling shorts on? What's happening? I can't see what else he's got. Well, we'll send him an email. Also, he, I, I hate to say this, but it is quite funny. He was wearing a suit like he was about to go back to court. That's well, like. you know, one suit to rule them all. That's what I always think. You know? <laughs> what did you make of the dance? <laughs> love the dance. I love Duncan Ferguson. I, I am yeah. old enough, actually, to remember him just catastrophically bullying so many setbacks. <laughs> and on corners, I remember him oh. seeming to be at least a foot taller than everyone else. Yeah. I don't know how yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's, how that that's the beauty. Players like that, that actually, uh, statistically, you look at them and go, well, he's not, he's not built like the side of a house. He's not like George Alicobi. He's not like right. this guy. He's not the tallest player you've ever seen. He's not a John Carew. He's not. But what he was, was he was committed. He Absolutely. was committed to causing violent pain 100%. to whoever got in front of him. But also, by the way, a good footballer. Let's not oh, overlook yeah, yeah. that. Like, the quality he was had all there. that. But he had, he had a, it was left footed, wasn't he? He had a really nice, yeah. really lovely, powerful shot on him. He could pass the ball, he could hold it. He could do everything he wanted Big to Big Scottish man with a lovely left foot. If only there was more of them about. Well. I just wonder what those ball boys or ball girls or whatever uh, were feeling uh, down the down the touchline. You see, uh, every time he scored, he picked one of them up. What? But yeah. <laughs> and the two I of them think, were on the pitch, I think, Yeah, but don't point. you think, I think there was more to it. Celebration. it was, I think that was oversimplified by the media because I think, because he was the head of the academy wasn't he oh, so yeah. he probably brought a lot of these young lads through so they yeah. probably looked to him as some sort of mentor and right. were like oh my god our coach because they don't remember coach ferguson as being yeah, the player yeah. that and they see him as manager and Is they're like coach ferguson though? that's what they might called him I that's don't like know. an american coach american sports hey, coach high school film yeah anyway. yes coach ferguson <laughs> Well, there's a nice story we about... We'll do our best! <laughs> exactly. Have you got any uh, examples of a... <laughs> not, not with those impersonations <laughs> like that, no. Um, but actually, there was a nice touch as well, I read in the, in the build-up game, when Silver got, uh, you know, when he departed. But I think Ferguson went up to um, and had a really nice chat. He said he was quite emotional when he shook yeah. his hand, went up to his office, and said he had absolute respect for as him. As he was and, taking the sign off his door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just cheers like unlucky mate here's the point there's just one final question on this Ferguson what happens if Ferguson we'll do the questions mate yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. Sorry. Alex one final question on that can you just elaborate <laughs> uh, leave me alone uh, one, one final question uh, on Ferguson is what I did feel, you know, you take a job on like that, and what happens if it goes wrong? Then you're out the club forever. Then yeah, are you? Or do you come I, back? And how can he ever go back in the youth team? Or well, this is a really good point. So whenever any youth team managers would get the poison chalice of first team gigs, like at Grimsby, there was a, a brilliant guy called uh, Woods who was the youth team manager and brilliant player there he didn't want to leave didn't want to almost like if I take this over and I don't do well and like slipping back in, but it's almost like feeling as though you've somehow not I don't know, let yourself down or let the club down and then you've gone back into another job how do you how do you do that and I was I'd counter that it seems Jack Lester did it uh, Chesterfield went from being really highly thought of at Forest and going back there it's like sometimes the comp- the compulsion to to do it and to succeed over overtakes how and, can you not yeah so well, this is it so it's hard to say no Newcastle and, and he can't necessarily right now go back to the club and, and do what he wants but he'd always be loved there 
Mm. Right? That's, that's never going to go away. Solskjaer's having it at the minute. Like, you know, people that's were true. calling for him to be sacked. And that is a very difficult thing to do. I remember when Stuart Pearce went and managed Forest not long ago. And I was thinking, this is great because you're going to have to sack a legend. Martin O'Neill, <laughs> same thing. You're going to have to sack a legend. But I love how the, your mind works. The truth, right. But the truth of it is that it rarely works out. Yes. It very rarely works out for any manager. Yeah. They normally leave because they're sacked. And, and also the yeah. manager that has worked for us, like you look at back to the era of Clough, those are guys that broke things down into constituent parts and said, I want complete ownership of this and I'm going to go against the grain. And how weird does it feel when managers do that? You know, uh, I'd say Solskjaer's more compliant. He's yeah, a guy that can't wants to... It anymore. It, I don't it probably it can't. Anymore. That's the you thing. Don't, you don't get dictators anymore because clubs now know... The shelf life of a manager is is two, three years, maybe yep. yeah, four years, yeah. maybe. Well, th- listen, yeah. uh, let's not dwell on this too much. There's we've got a couple of things to cover quickly before the end of the pod. Uh, Spurs this weekend, we've just kind of glossed oh, over. I mentioned some just, my goodness me, what oh. a performance! A Jose Mourinho team playing with like an Aussie Adidas team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, a Sean Dice compact Burnley going getting smashed by Get a Jose ripped team. apart. What the hell was going I know. On it's like. The world's gone Nothing's mad. as it seems. Well, I, I thought, um, after United, I thought, well, that's the end for Jose Mourinho. I yeah. thought, and well, we won't ever it. see his, you know, him sort of take a team like this and, and, and the web, but the way he's turned it around, that's incredible, isn't but, but, it? But, well, maybe but, they was always there, the players were always there. We yes. are in the first three months of a Jose leadership. I know. And he is great value in the first three months. He's smiling, he's high-fiving ball boys, it's brilliant. Another manager I want to mention before we go, and we've yep. got to go in a minute, Steve Bruce. I want to say a big oh, shout-out yes. to big Steve Bruce. He has way outperformed expectations. There were Newcastle fans there, start of the season, didn't want to know anything about this yeah, guy taking yeah. over. He's nine points better off than they were this time last season under St. Rafa. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased for him. Really pleased for Newcastle. Weekend of the big man. The big yes, Andy Carroll. It was like, it's always like, you know, it's a knockout. You know, the bucket of water Belgians. Like the big guy coming on in some kind of fancy dress outfit I'm like, like a wrestler get, get him on and just everyone else looking around going oh it's like yeah it's like Andrew the Giant coming on and him just going well what are you going to do about it what are you going to do yeah. it may, you might uh, the Euros at the World Cup yeah you can ask questions of this mentality of being the Premier League yes please get it in the mix get him on and lump it did you see his cross <laughs> for John Joe Shelby's goal uh, these big guys and they kick it harder and faster than everyone else as well because they're just bigger have you seen Lord of the Rings and uh, Game of Thrones they're massive and they're strong are you making a point get, about a former Grimsby and Torquay player. It's a way well, back for the big man. Well, a way back for the big man is the title of this pod. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alex. <laughs> also, Alex Kinnear, it's a very busy week for you as we conclude the political drama. Oh, yeah. Should, do you want us to leave it there? <laughs> or, well, are, are you looking? So, you, you're a producer for a, a, a very well known radio station, political station. Yes. Are you looking forward to this election being fucking over? Oh, always looking. Oh, sorry, to be over. Um, well, it's never over, is it? No, um, there's always over. a bit of extra time. Um, who knows where we're going this week? Never it's boring, just, at least, though. No, that's right. And I think. Um, Everything's unpredictable, uh, just like the great game of football. So yeah, I've oh, had my first lovely. stout, by the way, in since uh, two thousand two or something. The, the make of that stout. Um, are we allowed to say the make of the stout? Know, the if you can so, say it, papas, <laughs> vanilla stout, pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it's all. I think by the, but, well, what, what we can say, <laughs> what we can guarantee, we can say is that by next, uh, the next time that you guys meet here. Um, 
There will be a new government of some sort. Yes, we will. And on that note, we'll end the podcast there before we get too political. I've been Mark Smith. That's been Martin Gritton. Hi. And our guest this week has been the brilliant Alex Barnett. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Very Thank much. you, Alex. Thanks Good for man. You for listening. See you soon, guys. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.